to the Katie Helper Show. We're here Wednesday, August 26th. If it's a Wednesday, we're here at the Katie Helper Show. I'm here with my two partners in crime, Gabe Pacheco. Hi, right here. Hi, Gabe. Hi. How's it going, Katie? Good, you? I feel wonderful today. Awesome. And Reggie, of course, who is the engineer-in-chief. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Reggie hey Johnson. Hey, guys. What's up? And we are here every Wednesday on WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org on the web. Gabe, you have a show tonight, don't you, in uh, New York yeah. City? That's right. I'm on a storytelling show tonight uh, in park slope at union hall nice. so it starts at 8 i like that place yeah, yeah it's one place. it's a cool it's a cool place i like that you know what they have reg they got they have bocce ball yeah yeah bocce ball big, i i i, I never bocce balls you know it's so funny because that's definitely a hipster thing because here bocce ball i heard about it maybe like you know been around since what century 10 yeah <laughs> and, the, Italian, and, the Italian. yeah right and yeah. then all of a sudden it becomes a whole hipster thing just yeah. like shuffleboard right. a couple of blocks down right <laughs> they, you know it's like things that you like who plays shuffleboard of course the old hipster. people and hipsters right exactly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um we have a great show no disrespect to old up. people no, not at all. Or right. hipsters. Or hipsters. Um, we have a great show for you coming up. Uh, the guests are neither hipsters nor old, I would say, <laughs> but they're great. Brown-eyed, as is Brown our policy. Okay. Although I think one of our guests is kind of hazily eyes. She's uh, on the Okay. But that's the diversity that we like here. Um, we'll be talking to the comedian and actor Julie Goldman, who you may have seen on The Sopranos, The Mindy Project, Bravo's The People's Couch. And then we'll be joined live in studio by documentary filmmaker Yoruba Richin, who is going to talk to us about her film, The New Black, which explores how the African-American community grapples with LGBT rights and marriage equality. Very interesting. I just saw it on Netflix. Right. And that's the great thing about this film. You can see it on Netflix. Um, great movie. You're going to hear a lot about it. Really interesting issue. And, of course, we have to talk to you about... Oh, boy. The GOP... Right. And the star of this week's episode, we, we like talking about Donald Trump because he's not as much of an outlier as we would like him to be. So we get to both be entertained and scared, but at the same time, talk about regular real politicians because he seems like he's a Muppet puppet creature, but he's actually just a run of the mill Republican. The most popular Republican. The most popular, as he tweets constantly. He's like, Graham, Lindsey Graham, zero. Poland, zero. Uh, Rubio, zero. What I like a about bunch him, of I like his self-confidence. I like that oh he God, brags. He's like, he's I have the a, most yeah. money. I am the most popular. I'm really I'm, good at it. He really is good the, at it. the front runner for the GOP, the GOP. Yeah. Okay, so what's up? Why All is right. he overcompensating? Well, here's the thing, ready? <laughs> we talked last week about anchor babies, right? Anchor babies, by the way, do you guys know where this term comes from? Where does it come okay. from? Thank you. Thank you for asking, Reggie. Well, so, I try. I found an article in um, the Journal of Computer Mediated Communication, which I browse on a daily basis. That's your UrbanDictionary.com? It is my Urban Dictionary. It's my, my UD. My UD, huh? Uh, it's <laughs> called New Media and the Anchor Baby Boom. It's by Gabe Ignatow and Alexander T. Williams. And they write thusly, the term quote-unquote anchor baby is thought to originate in the related term anchor child, which was used in reference to, guess. Just guess. Tell me now. All oh. right. Vietnamese boat people of in the course. early ah, yeah. 1980s. Because okay. yeah. they were on boats. Yeah. And again in the early 1990s. It's a nautical term. Another form of brown people oh, yeah, as right. well. Right. Brown, and we're going to come full circle with mm -hmm. the brown people, other form thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because we should also be resentful towards Vietnamese people who whose coming to America has nothing to do with our policies, right? None whatsoever. Yeah. They came here on their own volition. Yeah, they're what tour, uh, birthing tourists, as we talked about <laughs> mm -hmm. last week. While Anchor Child refers to a very young immigrant who will later sponsor immigration for family members who are still abroad, Anchor Baby refers to children born in the United States to undocumented migrant parents who are thought to have been conceived in order to improve their parents' chances of sustaining American citizenship. <laughs> the term is considered by many to be racist and dehumanizing as it implies that undocumented migrants are having children in the United States as a means to attaining U.S. citizenship rather than as an end in itself. And what's interesting is that when it was first added to uh, dic the dictionary, they didn't put that it was pejorative. And uh, someone raised a ruckus about that, as they should. But here's the deal. Jeb Bush used the term anchor baby. 
And he got into some trouble for it because people were offended by it. What happened was that when he used the term anchor babies, he's like, give me another word to call them. All right, give me another word. And Hillary Clinton tweeted, how about babies? Mm. Okay, this is his response to getting into trouble because he used the term anchor baby. This is ludicrous for the Clinton campaign and others to suggest that somehow, somehow uh, I'm using a derogatory term. What I was talking about was the specific case of fraud being committed where there's organized efforts and frankly it's more related to Asian people. There you go, guys. Everyone, we can calm down, go home. Uh, He's not being racist about Latinos. He's referring to Asians. It's an Asian issue. It's an Asian issue. So you guys settle down. Latinos, you can settle down. Now, (laughs) Asians, I don't know. Asian Americans, you may want to get offended. (laughs) And in fact, they have. But as you said, Reggie, it's another group of brown people. Yeah, another group of brown people. I like it. It's equal opportunity, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Trump has the the Mexicans covered. So so Jeb is going to get on the Asian front. Yeah, demonizing people who are darker than... Bronze. Or other, right. Or other. Yeah, or other. Non-white. You know, other. Who yeah. are having babies as a strategic Move. strategy. Right. It's uh, it's an underground criminal effort to breed. As right. long as they're, as long as they're not white babies, then, then, then they're you criminals. know, they're criminals. Right. But Definitely. when they're white, they're doing God's work. Oh, absolutely. They're just procreating. Absolutely. Now, this is what Donald Trump tweeted after Jeb Bush said this. Asians are very offended that Jeb said that anchor babies applies to them as a way to be more politically correct to Hispanics. A mess! Exclamation point. And it makes me think that Donald Trump is actually a genius. So Trump is like this bully that all the other Republican (laughs) candidates are trying to kind of be like, but also pretend they don't like. But they know he's really cool. And then Trump just sits back and watches them kind of emulate him and get uncomfortable. And then he makes fun of them for it more. It's like a cycle. <laughs> Maybe because some of those brown people, some of those Asian people actually have money and they invest into Trump. Well, we know that Trump likes the Chinese because he sold a Chinese he man did a say building. That. Right. I like China. I sell apartment for 10. I just sold an apartment for 15 million dollars to somebody from China. Am I supposed to dislike him? And uh, he also kicked out journalist Jorge Ramos from a press conference. That was crazy. That was amazing, yeah. Okay, who's uh, next? Yeah, please. Excuse me, sit down. You weren't called. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Go ahead. No, you don't. You haven't been called. Go back to Univision. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sit down, please. You weren't called. Go. That's Jorge Ramos Hi, of Jim, Univision. Yes. He's being escorted out of the room. He was asking a question that Donald Trump no, said he didn't call that. him. I, That's why he be is being removed. That was crazy. Um, oh, there's just too much good, good Trumpness to, <laughs> to go around. But we're going to bring on our first guest. We're so excited to have her. Julie Goldman is a hilarious comedian and actor. She's been on the Mindy Project, Bravo's The People's Couch, The Sopranos. She lives in L.A. She's from Boston. Guys, if you don't know Julie Goldman, an amazing comedian and actor, you are in so much luck if you live in Columbus, Ohio. Well, you're not lucky if you live there, but this is the one time you're lucky. Sorry, Ohio. Uh, Because Julie's going to be at the Wall Street nightclub on august 27th august 28th you're gonna she's gonna be in pittsburgh just walking around in the city touring like i like to do on the corner touring or whoring whoring is this a whoring tour (laughs) yeah all all, all of them are oh good okay awesome then you're gonna be at stonewall inn on august 29th and then uh brokerage comedy club on august 30th that's it that's the big whore tour that's the big whore that's the whore the world worldwide (laughs) whirlwind whore tour Torah Hor Torah. Are you going to also be reading yeah. from the Torah? Of, of course. And Hoff Torah, too. Oh, awesome. Hoff Torah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Julie, I wanted to play this hysterical song that you wrote and performed called Commitment Ceremony. We can be special friends and live together. We'll buy a house and be roommates forever. We can be partners like Jacoby and Meyer. You'll buy the car and I'll fix the tire because I'm Butch. And when you're down, your burden I will carry Cause our love is strong, we ought to get commitment ceremony I want a commitment ceremony I want to live my life I want a commitment ceremony You say yes, say yes and be Domestic partner 
humble little kids. Even though it'll be difficult for me to adopt your biological baby because technically we're not really a family as a government and church, but shouldn't they be separated? And when I'm sick, I know you'll be there wishing you could get in my hospital room, but you're waiting for my mother's permission. Uh, no one has cared for me the way you have in my life. Oh, I want to say to the world that you're my very special, significant, really good friend. That song has occurred, that commitment ceremony, and obviously it's all about gay marriage and not being able to be gay married or whatever. Now we have gay marriage. The song's got to go. It's not relevant anymore. So are you conflicted about marriage equality since it means your song's not as relevant? <laughs> so now what do I have to talk about? It's like when Bush stopped being president. I was kind of sad because as a comedian. However, now we have Trump who is... Oh, my God. I mean, might be the most incredible angel from heaven I've ever heard. Yeah, I think he is. And you know what I'm saying? Like, literally, I can't go a day without looking for him, listening, hearing, watching. I need to know. What I know. I, 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 does he make you question your sexuality? <laughs> he does. It's so weird. Is he, like, I'm one of the guys you would go straight for? Yeah. Like, when I think about the list of gentlemen who could turn me, right. at least just oh. for a moment right. of lovemaking. Um, lovemaking. And I could just imagine him. You know, Julie, I'm very good at lovemaking. <laughs> Julie, I'm very good at that, Julie. Yeah, I am the amazing. Beautiful. Amazing. I'm the, I, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm am the I best. Right? I'm be, and I'm you? very good am at that, by the I? way. I'm mean, very I, good at that. I've been told I'm amazing. I've been, I've been told. told. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been told I'm incredible. I was told by lovemaking by Melania... Oh, my God. <laughs> Melania. You know, he also said that if his daughter wasn't related oh. him, to him, he would be dating her. What? Yeah, on The View. He said on The View. I have not heard that. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Oh, it's so weird. Stop <laughs> You know what? You are sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you're terrible. known for saying Is outrageous things, Mr. Just Trump. Like Who are you, Woody <laughs> Allen? <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss that, Jim? I know. We should we should do like a, a two woman show where we just we <laughs> recite Trump lines. Well, uh, my father has never said such a nice thing about me. Yeah, Dad. What the hell? My dad neither. God, why don't you want to have sex with me, Dad? Maybe it's me. like a Jewish thing, but our dads don't. Jewish dads don't do that for whatever reason. That's messed up, though. <laughs> I feel really yeah, neglected. So I, I was, do too. Tell us what you're up to, Julie. What are you doing in your life, and what are you writing about, com performing about, being funny about? I am all over the place. <laughs> You've ADD. At this point in my life. Complete ADD. Right. I can't focus on anything, obviously. Right. I don't, where am I? I don't even know. I'm like at that point in life where things should be together, but they're completely unhinged. Right. So, you know what I mean? So, like, nothing is. So, you like, are you between two train cars right now, like on the subway or in a oh, vestibule or oh. something? Exactly. Well, that's, you mean as a metaphor for my life? Or right, or just literally right now. Oh. Where are you doing this sure. interview from? I'm doing it from my home in Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and have audiences changed that you've noticed when you talk about gay marriage and marriage equality? Have you noticed a change in the way you're received? Uh, yeah, I, I think that through the last several years that, for example, like I was in Indiana for like six shows and I was really stressed out that, you know, if they weren't going to be able to handle me and 
all this kind of stuff. And I had this letter come to me before I went there that was saying it's super conservative and keep it clean and don't be offensive. And I mean, and you know, like, did they know who you were when they said those things? They're being sarcastic. No, they were being real. It was a real thing as a comic or just as a human being. There are places in this world where we can go where just our, our being alive is offensive. I was worried that that was going to occur. However, I was surprised. The audiences were great. They were super open for the most part. I mean, there was some conservative moments here and there. But for the most part, like, the gay thing was really, at this point, they just don't care so much, especially with guys, because it's like, I'm talking about tits. And, can I say that? Can I say yeah, that? You can, can I say you that? Can, right? You okay. can say that, right, Reggie? T-I-T-S? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah that's okay. fine. But, well, you can spell yeah. it at least. Yeah, yeah. That's so, well, that's so okay, the kids so, don't understand. Right. So that, okay, and the P-U-S-S, they're into that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, just, yeah. yeah. As in the cat, <laughs> right? Huh? Yes, as in right. the cat. Right. So, okay. I think for them, like, it's sort of almost at this point, like, at least for a woman. I don't know how it would be for a gay guy, but it was fine. Yeah, everybody has high-speed internet yeah. now. True. Right, right, right. That's right. They bro out with you? They do bro out, and they were cool. And I think had I gotten more political in a very sort of specific way, it would have been uncool. Right. They don't want to hear about Hillary. Right. They don't want to hear about liberal stuff like that. But sex stuff or other stuff is fine, if that's where we're relating. In your act, I remember you discussed how everyone thinks that lesbians hate men. What's your take on that, though? Well, first of all, everyone hates men. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Okay, so really... The no, thing not is kidding. That <laughs> is that everything's lesbian takes men because we don't what, have sex with men or have, I guess, intimate relationships right. with men. But but the thing is, like, why then would we hate them? Like, we don't have to deal with them. Like, right. I don't, the straight women, you know I mean? like, this, we're the ones who really hate women. them. Yeah, because you have to deal with them. Exactly, yeah. So, they should fear us way more than you. They should, and I would assume that they do. If they're smart. I would assume that they, they do. do. They do. They do. Were you right. just channeling your mom when you said that? Zoo. I guess I did. Sure. Uh, how is your mom? How is Phyllis? Can you, uh, can you tell people about Phyllis? Phyllis. You know, Phyllis Goldman. You know her. You've seen her. She's about four feet tall, filled with disappointment. You know her. And uh, wonderful woman. Irritated. Very annoyed all the time. Very irritated. Uh, starts every sentence like that. Ah, uh, everything is... Ah, uh, wonderful to grow up with, you know, and uh, my friends came over to you always say, all right, have fun, and don't let Julie eat too much. Ah! Anyway, so that's good for you, and I, uh, it's good for you to have in your, in your mind as you're an adult. She is very annoyed all the time. She's good, though. I mean, she's disappointed um, in general, just in uh, every one of her children. Right. And, um, you know how to... So are you the least disappointing of all? Like, the equivalent of the favorite? <laughs> well, I used to be, because I did get married. And so, then we had this thing, at this wedding, and 150 people, the wedding, had a big wedding. And I'm, I'm obsessed with having a wedding, because I know you're looking at me, and oh, a butch les. Why would you want a wedding? I was like, wow. Let's say, let's say, I'm a butch les, but I'm a Jew first, and I love a catered party. Do you understand me? <laughs> I love an affair. My mother was into it, but she did she had a little bit of a, a breakdown in the middle of a party. A breakdown. You know, all the her Jew friends were there from the temple because she's a Hebrew school teacher. All of her Jews were there, and Miriam Birnbaum and Zell Schultz and her and the Sylvia and Buzz Molly and her and the Bangenbergs. So they're like, "Thank you for coming. It's a wonderful party. Thank you for coming. My mother's a breakdown. <laughs> My daughter's the groom." <laughs>
I'm just ask you guys something now that we've been together on this date for a few minutes. Is there anything about this situation right here that says princess to you? Anything at all? Anything? You kind of look at this and go, shove those soccer player thighs in some pumps. That would look good. That would look really, really good. You know what looks good in a dress? A thick neck. That looks nice. That looks really very just fancy. It looks very fancy to have a huge boulder in a carpet. That looks good. That looks very nice. Just shove that right, just shove it right in there. That would look very attractive on a lady. So she was excited about that and thought there'd be grandkids, and I was pretty super normal for a little while, even though I'm les, but, like, yeah. that was, like, the wedding and that stuff was superseded over the les stuff because I was like, oh, God, great, she's married, she's not alone, she has someone, and right. maybe there'll be kids, even if they're Asian. Right, and then, even if they're um, Asian. Right, <laughs> and, um, but then we got divorced, mm. so everything really, fell, oh. everything really fell apart there. But um, I think that right now... It's hard to say. I mean, my sister has a boyfriend now, so oh. she's really the winner at this moment. You know what I mean? She's in first place. Well, yeah, because there's a man in the round. And, right, right. You know, being right. normal and right. stuff, you know? How many of you are there? How many brothers and sisters? 30. Wow. Three. She's, uh, no, she's this is three. orthodox. Mormon. Were you raised orthodox? No. No, you weren't. No, okay. We, no. okay. So raised, raised, raised conservative. Conservative. Jewish conservative, uh, not politically conservative. Right, right, right. Jewish conservative. My mom teaches Hebrew school. It's like, it's deep though. It's deep. It's deep. It's like super deep. But she's super like feminist about it. She can't deal with like, you know, women can't read from the Torah right. and all that stuff. She just, wants to really do all of it. I just you know I mean? was reading an interview with you on Comedy Central's website and I didn't know this story yeah. about P you and Peter Pan. Can you tell the story? It turns out your mom was actually like a transgender rights advocate. <laughs> okay. So my mom is like a fierce biatch like for as annoying as i am and they like to think i'm super opinionated and i'm like like i just don't back down and it's just like you're demure so, compared to your mom right I'm right so when i was in sixth grade we did a production of peter pan and i was always in theater and whatever and being annoying so i auditioned for the thing i wanted to play captain hook because that is the best part right. obviously the best part is captain hook the best is the funniest it's the greatest it's the most outrageous we get the best lines and the best songs so um, they made me the understudy. So my mom was pissed. She called the school in an outrage, saying, like, how dare you? These are sixth graders. Who cares about the gender? She wants to play Captain Hook. Let her play Captain Hook. You know she can do it. So let her do it for one show. So they relented because my mom is horrifying. And right. then, I mean, who's going to say no? And I got to do it. <laughs> and now I didn't know this until I was literally in my... 30s, like as an adult, didn't know this occurred. All these years I've gone through my life with this confidence thinking, hey, 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 I played Captain Hook. Right. Hey, yeah, that's powerful. I'm I'm, right? I am somebody. I am somebody. I I'm am, worth it. Right. I, I am. I, I'm worth it. I, I matter. Do it. Nothing, yeah. I matter. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. Hey, gender? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know why? Because I played Captain Hook. Right. But then you know what? It does matter. It does matter. But Phyllis's <laughs> wrath matters more. That's correct. So the lesson is gender matters, but my mom's wrath is way more powerful and scary. Maybe she could do a tour <laughs> with you, and she could convert, like, the entire yeah. country. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Right? You just yell at people. Yeah. It's so good. Just, just, just irritate them. Yell, mm -hmm. yell the homophobia out of people. Yeah. Just, what are you doing? Okay. Yeah. I mean... I mean, she does care a little bit. I mean, I think in her mind, <laughs> and I can't speak for them, but I'm, I believe that it's sort of like, it's fine and no, don't F with her kids and we can do whatever we want and we should be happy and blah, blah, blah. But if she had her way, you know, I'd be with a man. Right, of course. Kids and, you know what I mean? That's more normal. That's more traditional, so to speak. Do you think she'd rather you be with a Jewish woman yeah. or a non-Jewish man? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough dilemma. That's a tough one, right? God, that's a tough, tough one. I mean, I think at this point, I'm, mm, I think if, 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 God, wow, you know what? You stopped me. I think, I think I'm right. right. However, however, now that we've gone through so much of life already, uh, she probably would say, I know it wouldn't make you happy, Julie, to find a, a woman. Who will you know, read from the Torah to, to you. Who will read from the Torah, right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. At night. Whisper sweet tour or nothing's in your ear. Right. 
at night, your lullabies of Torah, very sensual, erotic Torah reading. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask her. Actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm we can have Phyllis her. on the on the show. Now, you are a big fan of Bill Cosby, correct? <laughs> oh my God, huge! You know what I love? I love a rapist. Yeah, That's you love a I rapist, love. right? Who to turn you first? Trump <laughs> uh-huh. or Bill Cosby? Ooh, well, that's, that's a tough one again, because with Cosby, you didn't know what ever happened until later. And you're like, hey, why is my badge twice the size? And I feel pain in my body. I'm coming to. It won't go away. Right. But then there's Trump, who's the most incredible maker of love. So. And you can't get the hair out of your head. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It just falls forward and tickles you ever so slightly on the face as he pumps away at you for one second oh my god that's poetry my dream is this everybody this is true and i don't care how it sounds i'm standing by my self i want vigilante justice for bill cosby uh in general i would like to in my dream i do want to start a vigilante group it's kind of like in my like i really truly do wish that i could do it uh where like a group of women meet secretly at chico's and plan who's going to get, you know, um, killed or tortured. I'm not, they don't need to die, all of them. Some of them can use a torturing and okay. then, you know what I mean? Um, but basically he, he's got to go. I mean, he has to go. Like you're, I mean, 50, 50, five, zero, five, zero. Who we know of. The first dream I had was that he would go on national television to kill himself. I don't think he'll do it. Now I need him to live. Now, you're a comedian in California, right? What, is, what are people saying in California about this, like in L.A., in the comedy scene? I think when it was just around 10, or first of all, nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to put it on stage because nobody wants to burn any kind of bridge, even though Hannibal Burris did say it and his career exploded. And it's even worse because Bill Cosby has the fluggers old black man public persona that I hate. Let's get some TV. Pull your pants up, black people. I was on TV in the 80s. I can talk down to you because I had a successful sitcom. Yeah, it was great women, Bill Cosby, so kind of brings you down a couple notches. I don't curse on stage. But yeah, you're a rapist, so I don't know why, what I'm doing by telling you. I guess I want to just at least make it weird for uh, <laughs> when you watch Cosby show reruns. <laughs> Dude's image, for the most part, it's public Teflon image. I've done this bit on stage, and people don't believe, people think I'm making it up. I'm like, Bill Cosby did a lot of rape allegations. No, you do! <laughs> but everyone else seems to be very scared or cautious. And Judd Apatow, like, right? Judd Apatow has also called him out. Right. Which, of course, I mean, Judd Apatow, I guess, can. He's got not much. He, I don't think he's ever not going to be rich and or be able to make movies. Right, right, which right. Which is right. great. Cause I'm glad he did speak out. Right. But I think they're the, they're the only ones. Except right. for, like, Lori Aldred and... Right, right, right. The Lord, right. Coming forward. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, comics aren't really... They're Stepping scared. Up to the plate. Right. I, I haven't seen, I, and that's not to say that I've seen everyone. For all I know, there could be, you know, a bunch of comics talking about it. I don't know. But I know that I've said on stage, I want Bill Cosby to kill himself. And, right. um, and I know my, my stuff is extreme. But um, he raped 50 women, so I think it calls for a little extremity. I mean, even Whoopi Goldberg, and even she, but she was swayed. She, she was defending him till the bitter end until it was just like, you, get, you can't, after a certain amount... How are you, how could you possibly, what's there to defend? And you know what's complicated is that there is racism in the world, and I'm sure Bill Cosby has been the victim of racism, but not as a rapist. That's not where the racism comes in. No. You know? That's correct. No, and that's not, like, one doesn't trump the other. Right. Because you've had racism in your life doesn't make you not the rapist that you are. And also, you know who doesn't encounter as much, like, Bill Cosby does not encounter the racism that most people who are African American encounter. Right, because that's true. Yeah, right. Because he's so rich. He's yeah. so rich. Yeah, and so powerful, and has been, you know, lucky and talented, and blah blah blah. But that's right. I mean, don't bring. I can't with the race. You can't. It's like trying to make distract me with one thing from another thing. Like, no, 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 no. Julie, mm-hmm. can you do uh, contribute to this project that we're doing at the oh, Katie yeah. Helper Show? We're doing an oral history. 
uh, we're doing okay. a social yeah. history, right-wing erotica. Yeah. You volunteered, I asked you before the show, if you would read to us yeah. a bit of um, Sisters by Lynn yeah. Cheney. Just so everyone yeah. knows, Lynn Cheney's Sisters is a novel that Lynn Cheney wrote in 1981. Um, it's no longer in print. This isn't a joke. And Julie, you're going to read, if you will, an excerpt from from the novel yeah. Sisters by Lynn Cheney. Okay, let me... <laughs> do you need to do any exercises? Okay. Get into character. Yeah, I'm gonna, let me take my clothes off. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, be oh, naked, please. Right. Yeah, let me just get in the shower. Roll around. All right. Yep, getting in, putting the water on. Great, lots of jet. Okay, this is a passage from Sisters. She was sitting with her legs bent in inverted knees. And when she leaned back on her arms to consider her arrangement, Sophie saw that the front of her dress strained slightly. Her breasts were growing. And Sophie wondered if she had begun to menstruate yet. And if she had, would she tell her about it? Sophie remembered when her own flow had begun. She felt obliged to tell her grandmother had gone looking for her, not because she wanted to tell her, but because she thought she should. Dear woman had been sewing a pair of moccasins and Sophie found her. The bleeding! It's begun for me. She blurted out. Hmm. So sexy. I love a menstruation. Erotica. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't love a nice bleeding? Uh, Dick Cheney and Lynn Cheney had a baby nine months after the U.S. government announced that people who had kids would get deferments. That's all I'm saying. Oh. Just saying. Just saying that. Julie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're gonna oh my we're gonna have you on again. And okay. where can people see you soon? Upcoming shows in can the New York area? Upcoming shows in New York area, Stonewall Inn on August twenty ninth at eight PM with Poppy Kramer and then August thirtieth at the Brokerage Comedy Club in Belmore, Long Island. I will be doing a double bill with Jessica Kirsten, who as we know is hilarious amazing. and has the funniest yeah. videos that you can find online. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. And where can people find you online? Uh, just go Google. Just put my name in. I don't have a website. All right. I'm too lazy. I have Facebook. I do have Facebook. Put in Julie Goldman, lesbian, uh, Jewish comedian. Because <laughs> there are a lot of Julie right. Goldmans in there. Actually, they're all Jewish. But the lesbian is what's, what sets you apart, right? Right. Yeah. It okay. is. I'm not the producer and I'm not the doctor. Right. Even though I wish I was both those things. You are either. to me. You're both. Spirit <laughs> on a spiritual you know level. I want you to know you're everything to me. Oh. And, um, you know, I'm so happy for you, by the way. Congratulations on your show. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled for you. Yeah, well, you should have a show. Thanks. Thanks, sis. Mm -hmm. Sure, sis. Great. Bye, Julie. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the Katie Halper Show. If it's a Wednesday, it's the Katie Halper Show, 6 p.m. on WBAI.org, 99.5 FM. And we're so excited. Don't go anywhere, though, because we have our next guest, the amazing filmmaker, Yoruba Richin. She's going to be talking to us about her lauded documentary, The New Black, which looks at the African-American communities grappling with LGBT issues and uh, marriage equality. And we're going to play, before we talk to Yoruba, we're going to play for you a trailer of that film, The New Black, which you can see on Netflix. Don't let people get you talking about gay rights. This is not about a gay right. There's a difference between civil rights and sacred rights. Same-sex marriage is going to be put to vote here in Maryland. No same-sex marriage in the state of Maryland. Hop your horn, hop your horn if you believe. Many people in the state's religious community, especially in African-American churches, oppose gay marriage and are vowing to continue their fight against it. Thousands of Marylanders around the state want to see marriage defined and upheld between one man and one woman. One of the biggest donors is pushing a strategy to drive a wedge between gays and African-Americans. All of a sudden, it was black versus gay. Our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. Marquise had asked, when are you and Mama getting married? Well, we're working on it. We're working on it. Regardless of what laws they may write, God designed the family. Who has been the hardest hit in the issue of family? The African-American community. We were blasphemous enough to compare the gay movement with the movement for civil rights and black folks. Is gay the new black? I believe this election is going to be a referendum on church. It's going to be a referendum on black preachers. If we don't reach out to these people, who's going to reach out to these people? 
Opposition. Remember both of what she said. God do not make lesbians. He, he did not the right to agree to this. Yes. Okay. You, but let me finish. You're right. Sexuality in the African American community is taboo. We don't discuss it in any form. I feel like I couldn't be myself because I thought that I would shame you. Okay, are you ready for the vote? Okay, why? What's up? Let's be clear. This is the unfinished business of black people being free. We are the sheep of another fold. Then we must reach out. I'm ready to win. I'm ready to make history. That was the trailer of The New Black, directed by Yoruba Richin. You're listening to The Katie Halper Show. You can hear us every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on WBAI.org, 99.5 FM. We're so thrilled to have Yoruba with us in the studio. Yoruba is a documentary filmmaker who has directed and produced films in the U.S. and abroad, including Africa, South America, and Southeast Asia. Her latest film, The New Black, premiered at the Los Angeles Film Festival and went on to win audience awards at AFI Docs and Philly Q-Fest and Frameline LGBT Festival, as well as a special jury mention at Frameline. The film continues to play festivals all over the world, and you can see it now on Netflix. And Yoruba has also received numerous grants, including from ITVS, the Sundance Documentary Fund, Chicken and Egg Pictures, and the Ford Foundation. So Yoruba, welcome. Thank you. It's so awesome to be here. Thanks for coming. So tell us what's new with the film. It's on Netflix now. Yes. Um, so it premiered in 2013. Uh, that's when we did our started our festival run. A, we had a week run, a theatrical run at the Film Forum in 2014 uh, in February. And then in, uh, it premiered on PBS on Independent Lens in June of 2014. And it just came out on Netflix, it's also on iTunes and other uh, Google Play and Amazon and all that stuff. And the website so people can follow it? www.newblackfilm.com and my Facebook or the Facebook for the film is New Black. Awesome. And the film is really great. I saw it, Gabe saw it. Reggie, do you see it? I did not. Not yet. Reggie, not yet. No, not not yet, but it sounds very intriguing. Yeah, it's really good. I want to know what inspired you to make the film. Sure. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, I I may cough a little bit. I have allergies. Uh, So I started conceiving of this film with the election of 2012. Oh my gosh, 2008. Right. Jeez, Louise time. Um, The first one. Yeah, exactly. The first um, election uh, that Obama won, and where Proposition 8, which outlawed marriage equality in California, which had recently been won, um, was voted against by the electorate. And I happened to be in California at that time. And what was so crazy that started happening is that not only was this sort of huge victory, uh, progressive victory, victory for civil rights, but um, this uh, you know, this loss that was so devastating to the LGBT community. And pretty much immediately, black people started to be blamed for the passage of Proposition 8. And I wanted to look at why this was happening, how it was that these two groups were being pitted against each other, essentially. And um, so that was the sort of, uh, you know, how the film was born. I started shooting in 2010. um, And what's been amazing about this whole process is just how quickly things have changed and shifted, of course, to where we are today, where now marriage has been made a right uh, for everyone. And so, uh, but I wanted to look at how the African-American community specifically was grappling with this in light of the election of President Obama, the sort of fight that we were seeing over the legacy of civil rights, um, and, you know, how this was playing in communities. And it turned out, the film follows how it played in one state, in Maryland. And and that was uh, in the election of of 2012, Maryland became only the, 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 became the, um, the second time that, uh, that you know that a referendum on marriage was voted on by the people, and the first time that it won, that it, that it passed, um, and so the film follows that and the activists on both sides of the issue. Right. And now, how did you feel as someone who's 
do you I don't know how do you do you say you're lesbian LGBT do you mm-hmm. say you're gay yeah I, I don't gay know lesbian okay. dyke open, all dyke, okay. you're uh, <laughs> bi-curious on the, around the terminology all right it's all good so how do you how did you feel when you heard people pitting these two groups together as if they were mutually exclusive right well I it you know quite honestly I got uh what kind of drives some of my work or a lot mm-hmm. of my work, I got really frustrated and angry um, because black LGBT voices were shut out of the debate. Um, and, you know, as African-Americans, we often are, you know, considered a monolith and the sort of complexity of what's going on in our community is not but is not, um, you know, featured or brought out in the media. So that's how I felt. I felt like the media was really getting the story wrong, and not just the media. Um, activists on both sides of the right. issue also, you know, were uh, coming out with, you know, with r- latent racism and latent right. homophobia. So it just felt to me that this was a story <clears throat> whose time has come, and because uh, this was unfolding going to be unfolding over the next few years, that it was a story that I could follow and see where we would end up. And again, I had no idea we would end up where we have, right. but um, that's you know what ended up happening. There was this attempt after Prop 8 to blame, as you said, African-American voters. And it, you, you heard it coming from people who would call themselves progressive, right? You heard it from LGBT and straight people who would not describe themselves, or most people probably wouldn't describe as racist, but not only was it problematic the way they were doing that, but it was just the statistics were off, right? Right, exactly. I think that a big reason, and it still even happens today, people still think that this statistic is correct, but there was an exit poll exit poll that CNN did right after the election that said that 70% of African Americans voted for the initiative, and that turned out to be false. Uh, the The numbers were pretty in line with other groups. Um, it was a majority, but it was um, it was, as I said, in line with other racial groups and other um, religious when right. looked at religious groups. So that number got perpetuated right, a lot. Right, and friend of the show uh, Nate Silver wrote about it too, oh, and yeah. he corrected. He was saying that people were presenting it as a race issue, but it was really much more of an age and religiosity right, exactly. issue. Um, one of the most interesting things about the documentary was the exploration of the role of the church in the African-American community, and even saying, of course, saying the African-American community right after you said it's not a monolith, which it's not. Um, but what was interesting to me is the kind of the progressive role of the church, which I, of course, knew about, but the way that it's that it was so relevant to this issue of LGBT rights, and we're going to play a clip from the New Black, and we're going to in it we hear the voice of the recently deceased Julian Bond, the former NAACP director, who you spoke to, as well as Reverend Eric P. Lee and Bishop Yvette Flunder, and this is what they have to say about the role of the the church. The black church was a place to go when we had no place else to go. It was a place to meet when we had no place else to meet. The leader of the church was a relatively independent person. He didn't work for white people. He worked for the church. And he was a figure of some importance because he spoke to these people every Sunday morning. He was a guide, a moral leader, and so on. You look to him for some guidance on how to behave, how to be a person. Our organizing during the Civil Rights Movement often took place in the churches. Uh, It was the facilities that we had control over. So there's a natural relationship between the clergy, the church, and the civil rights movement. It has historically been the center of education and information. If someone was ill, if a woman had just had a baby, if someone died in the family, we had in that organization, the black church, people on the ready to respond to those families. So we're talking about community, we're talking about village, a sense of belonging, a sense of self-worth and value. Where you could go to a job and they call you boy, or they call you Jim, and then you come to your church and your name is Deacon James Jones. And you sit in a seat up in the front with the trustees and you drive your Chevrolet to church and you wear your suit and you have a place of prominence that the world doesn't give. But the end result of that is, in order oftentimes for people who have been trampled upon to feel powerful, 
there's a need to trample upon someone else. So that was an excerpt from The New Black, and again, Julian Bond, Reverend Eric P. Lee, and the last woman who we heard from was Bishop Yvette Flunder, who's an amazing character. She's a founder and senior pastor at City of Refuge United Church of Christ in San Francisco. What do you think about the thing she said, at the, the last thing that she said? Yeah, it was really important for me, for the church, to, um, to explore that. And as someone who's, who's African-American but didn't, I didn't grow up in the in the church in the sort of traditional black church, but I came to understand and to see and experience how the black church really is still is the sort of moral center of of our community, and because of the history of it and its history of fighting for civil rights, and as she said, refuge where you can be. I mean, I think it's so powerful what she said. You know, you go out into the world and you're called a boy, and you're called Jim, and you come into the church and you have power. So it's very complex. It's very, um, you know, it's a it's an old story, uh, but it's also a, it's also a story that's still. Um, you know, that's still relevant and, and, and still powerful. And it's, and especially in a place like Maryland, which uh, the black church is very politically powerful and culturally powerful. Um, so it was really important for that aspect of the story to be brought out. And one thing I liked about the story is that you had representatives who were against um, same-sex marriage, marriage equality. Pastor Derek McCoy was one of yep. them the president of the Maryland Family Alliance and the Maryland Family Council. But what I liked about it is that you didn't demonize him. He was very human and humanized. Did he know about your perspective? I don't know if he knew. He never asked me, what do you think about this? Uh, You know, and it wasn't really relevant. He knew that I was showing all sides of this issue. Um, And that... Uh, because of my, you know, I think he trusted me, and I'm very grateful that he trusted me to tell that part of the story. But it was also his job. I mean, he was the head right. of the anti, you know, marriage right. equality initiative people. So what I found fascinating was that it explores the way the church has this kind of double-edged sword, right? And we've seen this with the issue of slavery. So the church being used as kind of an <coughs> instrument to justify slavery and the church being used as an instrument to abolish slavery, right? And you saw the same thing with the marriage equality issue because um, one of the most things I hadn't really thought about was the kind of historical legacy of the black family in the United States and how someone like for Pastor Derek McCoy, who opposes marriage equality, for him, that is one of the reasons that that same-sex marriage is so dangerous, right? Because of the kind of the way that the black family has been able to resist the the tragedy of slavery which divided up families separated people they had no you know very let reduced to put it lightly agency in terms of their family setup right and then Yvette Flunder Bishop Yvette Flunder says this really interesting thing which uses that same history to kind of say like we've always had an untraditional family structure and because of that it almost lends itself more to same-sex marriage yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head and, and really articulated it. Um, you know, and it's not just Der- uh, Derek McCoy, but a lot of the the pushback that you will get in the black community about um, gay marriage and marriage equality is that we already have such a fragile family system, teenage pregnancy, high rates of divorce, women not marrying, and this is another threat to right. the family. Um, and... What Bishop Flunder is saying is that, you know, we have always, because of the history and legacy of slavery and racism and segregation, we've always had to reconfigure our families um, in a different way, um, depend on grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, neighbors. Not that we don't also have sort of traditional right. families, yeah. but that because of that, we, and actually there's another part in her interview, which I didn't use in the film, where she said, you know, I think the the LGBT community could actually learn a lot from the right. black community in terms of in terms of family and structuring family. I found this interview that I thought was really interesting with Reverend Irene Monroe. She said, um, First, I want to say that the black church colludes with the larger society's discrimination against its African-American, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. The black church can argue that it stands on the literal word of God, 
and therefore has justification to erect its homophobic stance based on biblical passages. Yet the black church literally discards all damning racial references. The Bible is replete with contradictory and damning messages to all people. Determining which messages are discarded and which are upheld is not a battle about biblical inerrancy or God's will. It is an unmitigated battle of human will. So, and that, of course, applies to every church, right? Which is so interesting when people say, oh, it's wrong because the Bible says so. It's like, well, you also can't grow your hair below your temples, right? You can't eat shellfish. Uh, you have to be in a red tent or something for a long period yeah. of time. All these shun things. Shunnings. Shunnings, stonings, although some of them would probably like to do the stonings, sadly mm -hmm. enough. But um, did did you encounter any of that? Well, the yeah. I mean, I think that that's a... a um, very common argument, you know, that right. this is what the word of God and I am, you know, and, and even after, you know, you'll still hear people say, even now that it's law of the land, um, <clears throat> well, there's human law and there's God's law. Right. And I believe in God's law. Right. So, you know, in the film, I didn't so much tackle the biblical stuff. I think there's another film that does it really well for the, so Bible. the Bible. It tells, tells me so, so yeah. yeah. And really tackles and goes right. there. Um, and like challenges the language. And challenges and, yeah. the language and stuff. And I think it's really important to do. Right. Um, and will continue to be important right. to do because we have uh, these religious freedom laws that are starting right. to pop up as well. The right to discriminate, right. Because yeah. that's what Jesus was about. I'm a Jew yeah. for Jesus, I swear. I was going to say I swear <laughs> to God, but no, I do. I like Jesus' message. I just of wish course. his fans would apply it in a fairer way. Um, Yoruba Richin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we'll have you back. Please we'll do. We'll have to have another, the next time your film doesn't even, I don't know, what's next? You've conquered the whole world and you're doing no, a summer no. tour? No, It's just the beginning. Just it's just the beginning. The beginning. Yeah. Have you had really any really inspiring responses from people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been traveling with this film for the past two years and uh, some of the greatest uh, screenings have been in places that you know that I haven't that I haven't uh, don't often get a chance to like in the south, right? Where it's really um, needed, right? Yeah, or in rural parts of of this country, uh, you know, rural parts of this region. Right. There's been a may uh, we've done a great uh, project with HBCUs, historically black colleges, oh, awesome. and we've gotten great feedback around that as well. So so check it out. Check out the film The New Black by U River Richin. Check it out on Netflix. Just go to the New Black movie website and you'll be able to find it all over yep and just search on netflix for search the new on black. netflix the new black okay thanks so much thank you thanks guys see you next week cool see you later